Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome along to Football Digest Extra Time with myself, Ned Keating. I'm joined this morning by the lovely Alfie Lambert from the brilliant Arsenal Way YouTube channel. If you've not had a chance to check it out yet and you're a big Arsenal fan, it's definitely one that you should uh, be uh, searching for. Um, and Alfie, you're with me this morning to chat through uh, another busy weekend of football, enough busy weekend in the Premier League, FA Cup action too as well. And I suppose given the fact that you are uh, such a key figure on the Arsenal Way YouTube channel, we should probably start with Arsenal uh, this morning. Stretching their lead at the top of the Premier League, making the most of Manchester City being in FA Cup action. We'll come on to that game itself uh, a little bit later on. But eight points clear now at the top of the table. Moving into that, you know, what everyone describes as the final period of the season when you return from the uh, the international break, the spring international break, that big running, and, and and it's a longer running this year, isn't it? You know, it's almost it's almost about three months. I think they're two two three months worth um, of games still to go for Arsenal, but eight points clear at the top, and I suppose now it's about having those points on the board and probably each game you get to ticking that off that's another checkpoint pass we've run that one we're closer to the title again and that's probably where Arsenal's mindset is at the minute uh, and also too winning that weekend beating Crystal Palace to bounce back from that Europa League disappointment as well previous Arsenal teams may have taken it badly but this is a different Arsenal team we're seeing this season like you say a wonderful weekend of football especially as an Arsenal fan I think you know you mentioned that uh, what a way to respond to, to going out of Europe on Thursday I think that you know like you say previous Arsenal teams would have collapsed it's easy to forget that we hadn't actually beat Crystal Palace at home since January 2018, which, um, you know, it was another 4-1 win in that game. So, you know, it, it shows how far this Arsenal team has come. You know, the mentality, you Gabriel Martinelli missing the decisive penalty against Sporting. Then, of course, he, he scores the opening goal, which was, you know, you'd say the turning point because before that, you know, Crystal Palace had, had shown a lot of threat on the counter, probably... On another day, should have scored one. I think it was maybe slightly offside, but you know, either, either way, a great, great save from Aaron Ramsdale. But um, but yeah, to go eight points clear at this point in the season, it is just so mind blowing, really, as an Arsenal fan. If you said that at the start of the season, and I keep saying this, the more that we go on, to be eight points clear with ten games to go, it is it's just ridiculous. Um, you know, the the way that at the start of the season, the aim was to get top four, and and now it looks like we we could be on. A, First, on the way to a first Premier League title in, in what, 19 years? So um, a great weekend to be an Arsenal fan, a great win. Um, and like I say, an even better response to to going out on Thursday of the Europa League. The is a Tottenham fan, I do have to kind of be quite admiring of, of what Arsenal are doing. Regular listeners will know that I'm a, I'm a Spurs fan. And then that kind of brings me on to my next point, actually. We're going to, we're going to leave the Arsenal game for now. We're going to jump to another game. And I suppose, you know, you said there, what a brilliant weekend for Arsenal fans. And I suppose part of the reason wasn't to do with the Arsenal game, wasn't to do with Manchester City not playing, but watching from afar um, how things are unravelling uh, for your North London rivals and how things are unravelling for Tottenham. Uh, Antonio Conte, another astonishing outburst at the weekend, this time targeting the players. Quite frankly, I don't think anything he said there was wrong. I think, you know, we do have to look inwards at times. But, Alfie, for someone that, you know, to all intents and purposes, you are neutral on this. Yes, you, you know, you're an Arsenal fan, but, you, you know, kind of in this situation, you're, you're a neutral. Would you be surprised if we do see Antonio Conte take charge of another Tottenham game? Obviously, we've got the international break coming up, not playing again until uh, the weekend of April 1st, April 2nd. Will we be expecting someone else to be in the Tottenham dugout? Because how do you come back from it? Like, it's one thing to, to slam the board, and, and he's done that in the past as well. But managers, you know, 
yeah, Taylor's all his time, isn't it? Managers have always slammed the board. But to come out and, and be so critical of the players, it, it just takes this to a whole other level and, and kind of, you know, it feels like we've seen this Conte playbook before, haven't we? You know, kind of reminiscent of his, of his last few months at Chelsea where his press conferences were box office because you never knew what he was going to say, what was going to come next, but it was always going to be some fireworks. And it, and it feels like we're kind of, history is almost repeating itself now with Tottenham and, and with Antonio Conte. Yeah, I think you'd be surprised if, you know, the board react well to that. Of course, it was, um, it was like you say, box office is the best way to describe it, isn't it? I think that, you know, it was an uh, incredible outburst and, you know, to you look at the the time of the season as well, going into an international break, you'd imagine that if there was ever a time to get rid of him and, and you know, it, it seems like he's almost asking for the sack really, isn't it? The, the way that he's gone about it. It's probably the best time to bring someone in, have someone to sort of work with the players, get an idea in with this week off uh, while the internationals are being played and, and then return hopefully fresh. Well, I say hopefully, if you're a Tottenham fan, hopefully return fresh because it's going to be one hell of a running for the for the top four as well with Newcastle and Liverpool sort of on Tottenham's tail. Um, but yeah, you, you, you'd be surprised if they stuck with him after the way that he went about it. I think that it was um, it, it was something else, like I say, reminiscent of, of the way that he was course at Chelsea in, in, in those last few months and and yeah it's um, it's one that we'll see what happens but uh, I'd be surprised that if he's still there after the international break I think that maybe his, his days are numbered now and you know maybe it would be a, a bonus for Tottenham I think that you know if I'm looking at it from a completely neutral point of view of course as an Arsenal fan I, you know I'd, I'd love it if, if he dropped into the Europa League or even better still the, the Conference League but well, they're not in a bad position really you know look in the, in the table um, you know in, in terms of perhaps Tottenham standards not actually too bad I think maybe the FA Cup exit was um, was a real turning point and then of course to to bottle a two goal lead against you know 20th place Southampton perhaps not the um, the, the best result in the world so um, yeah maybe something needs to change and I think that Conte is sort of asking to, to leave now isn't he really it's, it's, it's a strange one because then of course his contract is up in the summer so you kind of you almost kind of have to level, uh, and I'm sure that these are kind of uh, Daniel Levy, as we well know, is that it drives a very hard bargain. He's probably having the the kind of discussions with himself internally about how much it will cost to get rid of Conte versus if we keep him into the summer and how much we might lose out on if we don't get into the Champions League. That might be the kind of the the kind of the ideas and and whatnot that that Daniel Levy's uh, looking at. But for sure, if it if it's, it's definitely isn't the case of of if Antonio Conte leaves Tottenham, I think we're definitely now reached a stage of when uh, if it's now or if it's if it's at the end of the season when his contract is up, I'll be amazed if uh, that that additional year option is extended uh, uh, or utilised by Tottenham. But as you said, they're about to run him for the top four. And it feels like this is, you know, kind of the last three weeks, especially, it seems to have just gone really topsy-turvy. You know, two weeks ago on this show, we're there, we're talking about momentum being behind Liverpool. They finally kicked on the 7-0 win over Manchester United. We're expecting Liverpool to kind of go then and then Liverpool to really make that top four battle their right. And Newcastle were a little bit patchy and a little bit out of form. And of course, Liverpool going to lose to Bournemouth. They lost, obviously, in midweek to uh, Real Madrid in the Champions League. They didn't play... This weekend, they were just played Fulham. Fulham were in FA Cup action, so that game postponed. So now you're kind of thinking well, Liverpool's momentum has been checked. Spurs then last weekend had beaten Nottingham Forest. So then you're looking at Spurs back into the top four positions. Momentum's with them. Of course, then this weekend, if you're still keeping up by now, they lose, they, they they draw at Southampton, blow that two-goal lead, as you said there. Newcastle win, having ended a stuttering period of form and go now into this international break, as Gary Neville said, with a nice confidence boost in winning. 
you know, and uh, Joni Carragher did suggest that he was a bit of a stalker wondering what Eddie Howe would do, but Eddie Howe would be going into this international break, smiling and being happy and enjoying the first few days off because in that weird cycle and this weird roller coaster that we're on in this top four battle, and if you kept up, well done, um, momentum is now back with Newcastle perhaps as we head into the final weeks of the season. Yeah, I think that the, the timing of the win as well on the, on the Friday to sort of pile the pressure back onto Tottenham and of course with the timing of, like you say, Liverpool not playing, it was a perfect opportunity for them to, to, of course, go there and get a win. And there's been a lot of talk in recent weeks of Newcastle. Defensively, they've been great, but they just haven't been able to score the goals, which, you know, they brought in Isaac for big money in the summer. And it's been unfortunate for them that, that he's been out for injured so long, but it seems he's come back. Is it free in, in the last two games? So, of course, there's a double on Friday and then he, he scored the opener against Wolves. So, you know, it shows why they brought him in and why perhaps they were they were struggling in front of the goal while he was out. But, uh, but no, the win was... To, to be honest, to go to the city ground as well, that Steve Cooper's made it a bit of a fortress in recent weeks. Of course, it was only you know a month ago that Man City went there and dropped points. And when the goal, funnily enough, they've been so great defensively, comes from a defensive error, you think maybe it, it's gone in in, in Forest's favour. But you know they, they were brilliant. Credit to Newcastle; they deserve the win. Fought to the end, and cool as you like from from Alexander Isaac last minute. To, to slot the penalty home like that and, and get a much needed three points for them in terms of the top four battle. And, you know, you, you'd say the momentum's changed in Newcastle's favour, but like you say, it's just such a roller coaster. We could be coming back after the, the international break and, you know, Liverpool hopefully get a big result against Manchester City. And then you'd imagine that that's going to be a massive momentum boost for them. And, um, you know, there's all sorts of, of, of different tops and turns in, in terms of the season, which is, um, you know, in terms of from the top to the bottom, it's one of the most exciting seasons that in, in recent years in terms of the Premier League side. I mean, it's easy for me to say as an Arsenal fan, well, you know, we're eight points clear that it's been an exciting season. But, you know, you look at that top four battle, it could go to the last day. The relegation battle, you could be talking, you know, from 13th place to 20th. So it, it's just such a roller coaster. And it seems that at the moment, you, you'd say the momentum's with Newcastle, but we could be talking in, in three weeks' time and, and saying that Liverpool are back on top or perhaps, you know, Spurs go on a run of form and, and, and pick up some wins and, and, you know, it's back with them. But um, you'd imagine it's going to be one that goes right down to the very last. Are we wrong to discount Brighton and Brentford and not talk about them and not suggest them as potential top four candidates? Because Brentford may be, you know, in terms of games in hand, um, they've only got one on Spurs and they're seven points back from them. But Brighton especially have the same amount of points. Again, Brighton and Brentford both have the same amount of points as Liverpool. Um, Brighton have played one game less than Liverpool. Brentford have played one game more on 27. But if we're talking about Liverpool still being in the mix and still potentially being, and yes, of course, look, there are caveats. The Liverpool squad, we're still well frustrated for them at this stage in the season, just something to kick because the quality is still there. But definitely Brighton, by having games in hand on those teams above them, the only thing that they don't is Newcastle play 26 games like Newcastle have. But are we being a bit harsh on them that we're kind of leaving? I'm, I'm sure Brighton fans would be delighted, you know, just kind of go along underneath the radar and then, you know, come the end of the season, we find that. Champions League football would be heading to the Amex um, and that would be a phenomenal I mean any European football forum would be a phenomenal result but are we are we wrong to discount them are we are we just looking at the quality that is in that Tottenham Newcastle Liverpool squads and kind of thinking Brighton have had a great season they'll do very well to finish above those in fact they've got to be in the running like you say three games in hand on Tottenham and and what are they seven points behind I'm sat on 42 you'd imagine that the way they're going the way they're playing that they're on course to, to qualify for, for Europe which I think would be the first time in the history I think last season was their best ever top flight finish and I think they finished eighth just outside of, of of course the conference league places so yeah of course wrong to discredit them they're, they've had a fantastic season you know they're going to Wembley which I'm sure 
you know, it is, is incredible for them. And, you know, it, on paper, I, I think it's going to be a real tough test for them. I think, um, or, or sorry, a close battle. I think they've got a real good opportunity to get to the final there, um, of course, against Manchester United. Um, and, and yeah, we're probably wrong to discredit them. I think they've got a lot of quality in that side. You know, Roberto De Serbi's done a fantastic job. You know, there was a lot of talk when, of course, Graham Potter left, would they be able to continue it? And he's not just continued it, he's continued to, to, to have them on an upward spiral. And I think that, you know, they've got a lot of tough games in that run. Um, I know they've, of course, got to go to, to the Emirates on the, um, but it's our second to last home game. So that'll be a tough game for them. But um, I think it's wrong to discredit them. They're still there. You know, um, what, seven points off the top four with three games in hand? Who knows? Like you say, anything can happen this season. Yeah, we're surely into a, a, an exciting end of the season. As you said, they're across pretty much all, all spectrums of the Premier League. Um, you mentioned it there, obviously Brighton uh, into the FA Cup semi-finals, going to Wembley, uh, beating Greensby, ending their fairy tale blessing yesterday with a 5-0 win. Uh, joined in the semi-finals though, so they'll be playing, uh, Brighton will be playing Man United, and one of the semi-final ties, Sheffield United take on Manchester City in the other. So from the neutrals and the kind of, you know, spoken a lot about this going into the quarterfinals about the fact that it kind of, it looked like it would be heading towards Mancunian hands, this trophy, it's just whether or not they'd be red or blue. And of course, the fact that they've now avoided each other in the semi-finals. You seem to think that Brighton have a good chance against Manchester United. I'm not here to, to say otherwise. You know, I think that that will be definitely a lot closer than perhaps Sheffield United against Manchester City in the other semi-final. But are, is it almost inevitable now that we are heading towards a, a Manchester invasion of London uh, come, what is it, June 3rd? As well? That feels weird to say, doesn't it? An FA Cup final with June 3rd. But such is the way this season's gone with the, uh, with the World Cup. Yeah, so uh, do you think we should be expecting a, a Manchester derby in the final then? I mean, uh, the FA Cup, again, you know, it's, it's the magic of the cup for a reason. I don't think you can ever, you know, count Sheffield United out, but you think on paper that, that it's it's a good draw for, for Manchester City and you'd imagine that they'll be into the final. I think with the, the other semi, with, with Brighton, I think that's going to be a really, really close game. I think that Brighton have a really good opportunity. I think that... Um, you know, of, of course, on paper, Manchester United are going to be favourites, but, um, you know, I, would, I wouldn't count Brighton out just yet. I think that, you know, against, of course, it's against Grimsby, so you have to take it with a pinch of salt, but, you know, they could have scored, what, 10, 11? How many times did they hit the bar, hit the post? It, it, it was, um, you know, a ridiculous performance from them. And, and it, again, I know it's only against League Two Grimsby, but, you know, it, it just shows how good they are. And it seems Evan Ferguson has been a revelation since he's come in. It's hard to, Forget he's only eighteen years old, and you know um, the the first goal that he scored was was just fantastic, and he seems to have been picking up this form, and you know I, I think they've got a, re- a real good a real good chance. I mean, you know Manchester United, the they were, I say I don't want to say lucky, of course it was um, a, a blatant red card from William, and then and then of course Mitrovic is just you know completely lost his head, and then Marco Silva lost his head, and then of course the game flips on his flips over completely, but you know up until that point. You know, it, it was hit and miss whether they'd actually make the semi-final. Um, so, you know, it's never an easy game. It's always the FA Cup. There's always a chance that, that someone will go through. But um, if you're talking about favourites, then you, you'd imagine it will be a, an all-Manchester final. Switching now to... England football and, and the return of the England national football team. Um, first games this week since the World Cup exit to France. If we're not over it yet, I do apologise for bringing that up if it's given anyone a PTSD this morning. Um, 
But yeah, England, probably the two toughest or two of the tougher games. Uh, of course, they're not going away to Ukraine. They're at home to Ukraine uh, on Sunday. But before that, they're away to Italy. Um, so they're not starting their group campaign uh, in, in the easiest form. But does that kind of almost mean that they not so much hit the ground running, but, you know, that disappointment about the World Cup needs to be forgotten quickly and, and that they need to do hit the ground running in this in this qualification campaign. Of course, for those that aren't aware, it's not as tough as a World Cup. It's not the only top one goes through, top two that do progress. But still, when you're in a group with uh, with Italy and Ukraine, you would suspect that you do have to, to start picking up the wins very early on to ensure that you are in those top two positions by the end of the campaign come November. Yeah, well, for me, having the, the hardest game first, you know, it's, it's a good way to bounce back from, you know, it, it, it seems silly that the, the last game was, of course, the quarterfinal. I didn't need reminding of it, of course, but um, but yeah, great, great opportunity to bounce back. Like you say, the toughest game to, to start with, you'd rather it be at the start than have to go to Italy to win, uh, to qualify. But um, but I think it's a real good opportunity. Of course, Italy didn't qualify for the World Cup. That's two in a row. I think that, you know, uh, you know the last time that, that we met, you know, it doesn't need to be reminded of anyone. If if anyone's still sore about the, the quarterfinal loss to France, then I'm sure that we'll be even more sore about, you know, the Euro final loss to Italy. So, um, yeah, I think a great opportunity to sort of bounce back, build up some momentum, like you say, and take it into to Ukraine at home, which... I think that it's going to be an emotional affair, but I think it's one that on paper England should comfortably win. And I think that if you look at the group, you know, of course we're always biased as England fans, but I think that it is a group that we should be topping. Definitely going through, like you say, there's two spots available. I think that, you know, if you if you look at the quality on paper, even though I think that Gareth Southgate hasn't picked the best squad, that's a chat for another day. But, you know, I think we've, we've just got too much quality to, to not progress through. And, and I think that you look at the two games and, and for me, it's six points picked up. Southgate not picking his best squad there. Does that mean that as an Arsenal fan, you feel Ben White at least should have been in there? Maybe one or two others from other clubs, but obviously Ben White, an interesting topic of conversation. You know, they're playing week in, week out for the Premier League leaders, but uh, obviously left the World Cup early um, under, you know, reports say a bit of a cloud and, and kind of suggestions of a, of a falling out with coaching staff. Um, and that may have weighed into this position that he's in uh, now and in being out of the England squad but is he one player that you think should have you know kind of put that to one side that he should have been in but then of course England do have a little mighty uh, depth of talent at, at right back as well Yeah I think with Ben White it's got, it's got to be something to do with this falling out because if you look at on form and on quality then you know he's got to be one of the first defenders on that list I, I know you know Gareth Southgate speaks about him being predominantly a right back but you know it's he was a centre half last season he can play there. He's played there for most of his career. You know, it's it's sort of, um, you know, I think he played there a bit for Leeds and, and and Newport, I think, at right back. But, you know, this season was the first time really other than maybe two or three games last season that he's played at right back. And you look at the centre-backs in the squad and you, you've got to say that Ben White's better than, than you know, Eric Dyer. I know you, you maybe you think differently. I mean, to be honest, you probably agree. But, you know, it, it just seems silly that he's not getting in if we're talking about form. So, it's got to be something to do with this supposed falling out that the only reason that he's not there and um, you know there's a couple of other players that I think could have made it but you know listen it's um, it, it seems to have been the recurring theme with with, with Gareth Southgate he's, he's done brilliant to get us to where he has in international tournaments but it seems that for someone who said that he's going to be picking his team based on form we haven't seen too much of that especially as of late Were you surprised by his comments last week as well when you look at the makeup of this England squad when you look at Arsenal in particular being a kind of hotbed of young English talents that Southgate sent a warning to any future England managers 
that they might have to start looking in the championship for four players. I mean, you know, you say they're about picking players on form. There's players that he's left out that aren't necessarily at the bigger clubs. You know, he's still back. You like to Harry Maguire, even over someone like Fakaya Tamori, who was obviously not playing the Premier League, but playing brilliantly for uh, for for AC Milan in the Serie A in, in the best defensive league in the world. Those comments, they seem a little bit strange when you kind of start to dig into it a bit more. And as you say, they're about, you know, kind of form and stuff. There, there is still enough talent there. Just, you know, as you said about Southgate, just seems to pick players that he can, that he has trusted over the years, that have performed from over the years. And, and this idea about form, perhaps just being words and, and not much else behind it. Yeah, see, it seems strange. I think there's plenty of, of English talent that in the, in the top division, there's no need to, to drop into the second. I think as good as the championship is, you know, like I said, there's just plenty around. And it, it seems that he's got this sort of, um, you know, he, he doesn't seem to look at players that are playing abroad, English players that are playing abroad that are playing well. I mean, the main one, as you mentioned, for Gaio Tamori, who, you know, it, it seems ridiculous that he, he's not even had a call-up. You know, there's this this Falarin Balogun, who, of course, is smashing it out in, in France. And you'd imagine that, that he'd have had a look in, but again, he's he's looking at the under-21s. It's probably a player that England are going to lose now. I think, you know, he's got the, the USA ties, which, you know, if I was him, you know, I'd, I'd probably take it. You know, the US team looks like it's on and up, and if he's not going to be selected in the form that he's in, you know, when is he going to be selected? So, yeah, it, it, very strange comments to say that there's so much talent flying around in, in the Premier League. Um, but, yeah, um, may, maybe not one that a few... Hopefully, if we... If, you know, Southgate comes out, we get a manager, like say who picks players on form and doesn't pick players like, you know, Harry Maguire, no matter, you can say how well he plays for England, you know, how disheartening is it going to be to be like of, of Tamori who's playing for AC Milan side who won the Serie A last season, were, were excellent and he's not even getting a sniff in it, and it, it just seems daft and then you've got, you know, I could be here for ages, Calvin Phillips who's played what, has he played 80 minutes or something of Premier League football this season, as good as he is, should he be getting a call up over you know, the likes of um, James Ward-Prowse, who, who's been excellent for, for Southampton. Um, you know, it, it just seems a strange one to me. Yeah, for me, Harrison Reid, I think he's had a tremendous season with uh, with, with Fulham as well. And, and for him not to kind of even be talked about, and as you said, Defilar and Balogun as well, it just seems strange that there was no no kind of clamour to get him in. But then, of course, England are blessed with uh, great strikers and great form at the minute. You know, thinking of Ivan Tony, Harry Kane's not had a bad season. Uh, Ollie Watkins as well being left out and, and the tremendous scoring form that he's in of late as well. Um, but for sure, yeah, there are some, some interesting calls. And as you said, that, you know, Calvin Phillips, Harry Maguire's. I mean, it speaks more to probably Southgate's abilities and man manager to get these kids into, or not these kids, but these, these players into the best ability that they can play at when they've been poor for their clubs. You know, he probably says a lot about his man management skills and how they're kind of able to put it in for him and, and maybe not find that form at club level. Talk about the games, Dan. As you said there, uh, England have played Italy. Bad memories against this in recent years, Euro 2020 final, uh, being relegated on the last trip to Italy from the Nations League, which meant that England ended up in a tougher draw for uh, full qualification for Euro 2024 as well. So they kind of seem to, these teams seem to be meeting quite a lot, meeting quite frequently, unfortunately, um, but Italy seem to have the upper hand at these games. But you seem fairly confident that England can, can go to Naples this week and come out of there and come back with uh, with not just a positive result, i.e. a nice little draw or taking points of Italy, but you think that they can actually go there and win? Maybe, maybe I'm being overconfident, but I think that with the quality that we've got, we, we should be, to me, going over there and at least getting a positive result. I think a draw, again, would be a positive result. Like you say, perhaps haven't been in the, in the greatest form. I mean, when was the last time that, that we beat Italy, to be fair, was it 
it was a friendly, I think we beat them. Was it 2-1? Um, off the top of my head anyway. But but yeah, I think we, we've got to start going. I think you look at the team that we've got and on paper, I, I mean, again, there's always this bias of us England fans that we always perhaps think we're better than we are. But I think that, that like you say, we've got a good enough squad to, to do it. We've got a, a, a squad that on paper, I think, wins the group at least. And I think if we win the group, then we need to go to Italy and at least get a point. But I think that we can go there and, and, and get all three. Um, he says, and and after, is it Thursday, we play Italy. We'll come back, we'll have lost 3-0. We'll be in terrible form. Then we'll go on Sunday and, and drop points to Ukraine. You know, it, it's typical that I'll jinx it. But I think that, that, we've, that we've got to go there and, and at least, like say, get a point if, if we want to, to win the group. And I think that we should be aiming to win the group. I think we've got more than enough talent to do so. Um, and... I don't think we need to drop down to the championship to, to get any more quality to beat the, the likes of what's in that group. Yeah, don't worry. I won't, I won't come back to this clip and I won't play it back to you if it, if it does go badly wrong this week for England. But as you said there, Ukraine at home Sunday as well after the game against Italy. Um, sure to be a, a highly emotional um, match for all involved, given obviously the, the terrible situation that's still ongoing in Ukraine at the moment. Um, and in terms of, you know, kind of what it means and, and how much support England um, and, and the United Kingdom on the whole have obviously given the Ukraine um, over the last you know, kind of what is it <laughs> approaching definitely 12 months and kind of getting closer to the 15 month mark as well now isn't it um, but it's still going to be a, tust in, a test in a fair you know kind of put all the emotions to one side and this Ukraine team were probably unfortunate to miss out on, on getting to the World Cup last year through the playoffs um, lost obviously to Wales in the end but they're packed with talent and they're packed with hard working players and, and to kind of it's one that you can't kind of look past. I mean, even even the other teams in this group, you know, as well for England, um, you know, Malta and North Macedonia make up the group as well. And and to kind of overlook North Macedonia a bit, you know, they they beat Germany last time in the in the World Cup qualifiers. They they sent Italy packing in the playoffs. They they would have seemed to knock it out. But you know, those are kind of things to worry about further down the road. But for Sunday, it is Ukraine at home, and, and England kind of have to be on their game again to make sure that they do get all three points. Yeah, of course. You know, they've got a couple of players in there. One that. You know, I know very well Zinchenko, who of course has been excellent this season. But you know, I mean, last time we played them, of course, was in in that Euros run, and you know, four nil. I think that it was an easy enough result. Could have been more. And I think that you know, if we put the emotions aside and just focus on the football on paper, I think you know, it it, it seems like a maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way. To me, it seems like a straightforward win. You know, you mentioned, of course, they've they've got a a few players in there that can probably cause England trouble, but. You know, I think I think that that like you say, it's it's an easy one. Again, we've got the the, the home advantage as well, which you know, uh, of course, adds adds even more to it. And you know, I think it's one that we need to be looking to to, to pick all three points up from. What counts as a successful campaign for England? This is just qualification. Doesn't matter if it's three playoffs. Doesn't matter if finish finish in first or second in the groups. Or do England have to put down a marker here? You know, kind of this idea that they went close in 2018. They went really close in 2021. They went close-ish in 2022 at the World Cup do they need to put down a marker in this group win this group and kind of say we, we deserve to be among the favourites again uh, come Germany 2024 is, is that what England need to do is that what success is topping this group and anything else doesn't matter if they qualify or not anything else is kind of not I wouldn't say a failure but not where England should be looking at like I say setting a marker down winning the group you know how close to becoming in 2021 if, if you look back Really, we probably should have won it, how, how the final panned out. You know, um, I hate looking back at it, I hate thinking back about it, but, you know, um, it's one that, that we probably should have taken the chance. 2022, again, the World Cup was disappointing, but I think that we've got more than enough talent to to go as far as we did in, in 2021. 
in next year. I think, you know, you've got players, you know, like the guy Sakura will have learned a lot from 2021 from missing the penalty. He's come on leaps and bounds and, and now he's in the form of his life. He's only going to be better next year. You know, he, he's going to be full of confidence, hopefully on the back of a, a Premier League win. And then um, who knows what will happen next season. But, you know, you, you, you've got the likes of, of, of Saka, of Rashford, of, um, you know, um, even like Aaron Ramsdale, who, who's still a young goalkeeper, whether it's, it's Pickford or him, who's between the sticks, Reese James, um, Mason Mount. You know, there's so many, there's so much young talent in that team that's only going to get better. And I think that it, we've got to set down a marker, win, win the group and, and say that we're not just there to, to take part, we're there to win it. And I think that we're going to, when are we ever going to have a, a, a good opportunity to do it as we did, you know, in 2021? I think 2024, we've got to try and go as far as, as we did two years ago and, and, and go on and win it. And I think that if you're going to have that sort of mentality that you want to win it, then you have to top the group and set down that market. Alfie, thanks so much for joining me this morning. Really appreciate your time as always. And um, of course, if you've not checked out the Arsenal way, which Alfie is a brilliant part of, if you've not checked it out on YouTube yet, give it a a great watch. Uh, and especially for Arsenal fans during the international break, definitely something to while away a few hours whilst you're waiting for the Premier League to return. Um, of course, you can stay up to date with all the latest from England Euro qualifiers, as well as everything else, Premier League, FA Cup, Champions League, you name it, we've got it across the mirror, the Daily Start, the Daily Express websites. But for now, it's goodbye.